have developed speed, but we have shut ourselves in. Machinery that gives abundance has left us in want. We think too much and feel too little. More than machinery, we need humanity. We know the air is unfit to breathe and our food is unfit to eat, as if that's the way it's supposed to be. We know things are bad, worse than bad. They're crazy. The great and powerful Oz knows why you have come. You've got to say, I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. You have meddled with the primal forces of nature. Don't give yourselves to brutes. Men who despise you, enslave you, who regiment your lives. Tell you what to do, what to think, or what to feel. Who drill you, diet you, treat you like cattle, use you as cannon fodder. Don't give yourselves to these unnatural men, machine men with machine minds and machine hearts. with Jason Burmes. And who loves you? And who do you love? Good morning, everybody. I am Jason Burmes. This is Reality Rants. We are live 8 a.m. Monday through Thursday across a multitude of platforms talking about a multitude of issues many of which I think are extremely important, underreported, if reported at all, in the alternative press, and not what everybody is talking about all the time with the same boring talking points, all right? And this story is one of the wilder stories out there in that it seems so horrific so unbelievable for first of all i don't want to believe it i i read some of the details and if you believe the details in this case it is absolutely beyond comprehension of a normal functioning human being to understand how this could happen and what am i discussing well if you've been following the Burmese Brigade for a while, you know that I will often talk about occultic aspects to a lot of the nefarious things that we see come into fruition. And, and sometimes they seem totally disconnected. Like it should be totally disconnected that nuclear power and um, the atom bomb, right, were conceived through a occultic club via the Bohemian Grove. Okay, that that seems totally ridiculous and impossible. Why would that happen? And then you get into like Jack Parsons and his rocket program. And then you look at von Braun and the Nazis and their occult ties and symbolism. You're like, wow, this is pretty bizarre. 
And then you get into the 80s, quote unquote, satanic panic. Now, this is what I'm going to say about that. I was watching Gutfeld last night. And they were talking about the whole transgender issue when we're talking about children. Okay. And and by the way, uh, I've got a little poot poot we're going to play delivering his State of the Union address. Uh, I'm going to ask, you know, what do you think? Was he wrong here? Did he get anything wrong? Is the majority of this correct? Is it hard to argue with? I'm going to make the case that it is hard to argue with. I watched the whole State of the Union, but this two-minute clip, it's like, well, I, I mean, low-hanging fruit, easy target. However, Guffell was like, are, are we just becoming more aware, et cetera? Is this going to get turned over? And look, you look, for instance, at some of the bigger cases there, the McMartin trial in, in particular, that was overturned in the last five or six years, and those people were released. Now, if they are indeed guilty of what is said, that's also alarming. It's like, what in the hell is going on here? And really, for me, when it comes to the meat and potatoes of that era, and when you find out who these people are, and we're talking about some some big power brokers, right? A story of power brokers, child abuse, and betrayal. It's, again, beyond comprehension. So over the last, I'd say, probably six months now, close to six months, there has been a case in Utah that was allegedly reopened. Derek Bros of the Conscious Resistance has done some really great original work and follow-up work to a gentleman named Adam Herbitz. And Adam is a local reporter on the scene of Utah. And he actually asked questions of David uh, Levitt. In fact, maybe we'll do that live and, and have you watch him ask about the questions. And Levitt brushes it off. But essentially, there was a case back in the day that accused Levitt and other high players, because Levitt has, first of all, in government, got a little cheese, got some serious business dealings, okay? Very, very true detective-esque, if true, if true. It's like if you took the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, you coupled that with horrific child abuse, okay, and the Franklin Scandal, weave it into a true detective uh, timeline, and that's what you seem to get here, okay? So Levitt, he had an election, I believe, and he lost because he was the Utah County Attorney, okay? Now he's the former Utah County Attorney. And if you want to know the details of that case, the lastamericanvagabond.com has a great run through. Uh, Derek Bros points you to the source documents so you can read the accusations yourself that, that again, they're out of a horror movie. Like, if you're reading those things and you're contemplating that this could be real and true, you should feel uneasy. But as I'm going to show you, there are monsters among us everywhere. Everywhere there are monsters among us. Make no mistake. Okay? So let's start here 
with this. David Olevitt uh, just posted this. It's not often you get the opportunity to fill a lifelong dream. Shalom and I have had a dream to purchase and lovingly restore a historic property to preserve and protect it for future generations. Oh, they're so benevolent. You, you got to love the virtue signaling all the time. You know, we want to restore this for future generations. I was the Utah County attorney for the community, for the people. Mm -hmm. We've just purchased a castle in Scotland that we get to restore together is our dream. We've started a blog that gives the details on the location of the castle and our progress. I hope you'll follow it. Oh, and it's what the hell I did we do.com. Now, apparently, he's in Scotland now. What the hell I did we do.com. Do I need a www dot in front of that? I'm oh, sorry. Uh, what the hell I did. No, there's the, there it is right there. No, I. What the hell did? All right. I'm going to try it again. What the hell did we do.com? No? So what, what is it again? What the hell? Yeah, it's what the hell did we do.com. I'm going to try it one more. Doom.com. I think I've got it there, right? No. Nope. What the hell? One more time. I'm terrible, guys. Thumbs it up, subscribe, and share. What the hell did we do.com? There it is. Man, bright and early. Bright and early. So, uh, yeah, no, they did it. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, apparently they bought a castle. So this guy has flourished. You know, I'm going to talk about this later with Ray. That, you know, sometimes the scum rises to the top. Now, again, I don't trust this guy. But will he ever be tried for his crimes if he did commit them now that he's in Scotland in a castle? Because, you know, I, I know that when I get accused by multiple people of um, violent, terrible, ritualistic abuse of children. W what I do is after I lose the election is I go buy a castle and leave the country. Okay. <laughs> I want to hit these other stories uh, just to kind of give you a, a feel for, listen, there are terrible people out there. Miami high school coach, 37, is arrested for filming sex act between two 16-year-old students in classroom on Valentine's Day, man gave them a fist bump and then asked girl to have sex with him because he likes minors. This man's almost 40 in Florida. Um, there, there he is. You know, and unfortunately, things like this, more prevalent than you'd like to admit. That's why you've got to have conversations with your children, even when it's tough, even during the teenage years. But... Gets worse. Youth pastor 
said, I don't care when learning age of 16-year-old he's sexually abused, said deputies. And here you go, another 36-year-old man. Okay, mother of the, the victim, I believe, is 38. I don't care. Isn't that nice? Just, hmm, no, no, no big deal. So these are actually a little bit lighter than the next two. Shock as police investigate a record 31,000 CP images, and one in three of them are found online. That means, you know, 10,000 of them. Just And not only, on, I mean, they're all found online, but we're talking about regular social media. Okay? I don't know how the actual moderators that are getting out the 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 really disturbing, distressing, grotesque stuff can even go to work. I don't know how you could watch this stuff to even regulate it. And in law enforcement as well. I mean, it's necessary. I'll tell you right now, you think Corn Pop was a bad dude. A lot of these people are really bad dudes. 48 arrested, eight children rescued in major San Diego human trafficking bus. By the way, this is all this week. It's not like I had to search for these stories. I just wanted to hammer the point home of how this is like everywhere. And you can ignore it or you can face it head on. All right? It's... Law enforcement in San Diego launched a major human trafficking operation that resulted in the successful rescue of eight children and the arrest of 48 individuals. Officials announced Tuesday since January 9th, local, state, and federal law enforcement agencies uh, completed 17 operations in San Diego and national city neighborhoods, part of a larger undertaking to address human trafficking called Operation Better Pathways. Law enforcement said, 16 people being trafficked were rescued overall, including eight children. The youngest of the children was 13 years old. She has since been reunited with her family. Two of the victims rescued were 16-year-old runaways from Arizona. San Diego Police Chief David Nislet said during Tuesday's briefing. All right. Eight kids. Some as young as 13. Okay. And look, this is one of the things that I was talking to with my, uh, talking about with my brother while he was here. And he's like, look, man, it's a whole nother world in some of these places. You go somewhere, I think he specifically said like Louisiana or in the boondocks. And all of a sudden, this is all these people know. And these kids don't have social security numbers. They're hidden away. Maybe on a place called The Farm. Some people will get that reference. Some people who know they didn't have to unlock the WikiLeaks. It's just there. So that's what I wanted to lead in with via Reality Rants. Just putting it out there. This guy out in Scotland revitalizing castles, doing very well for himself, accused of horrific things. Okay? And... Over the last 48 hours, I pulled up four or five stories of horrific things going on in this country that are underreported. And they'll tell you, there's no epidemic of human trafficking or child abuse. Really? Really? Now, I'm not saying the numbers 
don't get conflated and that people glom on to uh, things with a sensationalist type spin. But the bottom is, line is when you look at the, the, there is no spin on the Levitt case. All right. Either it happened or it didn't. And if it happened, we are in big trouble. And if you know the stuff that I cover and the fact that it appears that a lot of these people are protected for a very long time, we're in big trouble. All right. I want to move it along to um, Sir Poot Poot. And uh, we're going to play this clip. I, I'm curious to th see what my audience has to say here. Uh, as a lot of you know, I'm certainly not a hardline religious person. I believe in freedom of religion. I believe that there is a concerted effort to get rid of organized religion and the idea of a uh, deity or a morality based in a deity, whether that's Jesus Christ or any of the other major religions. Doesn't really matter to me. I see a concerted effort to get rid of all of that and trust the science. It's, uh, it's bad news, Brown. And one of my favorite films out there that's so underrated and now so old school, um, Expelled no, no Intelligence Allowed by Ben Stein, where he talks about the idea of eugenics and getting rid of God. All right? And, and bare minimum, I'm a guy that does believe in intelligent design, okay? And I think that's that's an argument that needs to be had. And there are some that'll say, well, you know, you could have intelligent design if it's the um, seeding by an alien race. Oh, oh. I mean, when, we, when we're getting to quote-unquote alien races and all this other speculation, you might as well have deity in the mix. Just saying. And then that deity, I guess, could mean a broad uh, number of things. But without further ado, um, this is already translated. You're, you're only going to hear about dictator Putin and, and the very real deal that he's now off totally publicly saying, we're done with these treaties and nuclear warfare. Get ready. Very dangerous. Very dangerous. I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to. I'm neither trying to hype that up. Okay, we've talked about it in a serious nature. I don't think that you could hype it up enough, quite frankly, because of the consequential nature of anything nuclear happening. You know it's going to be blamed on Russia at this point, whether they do it or not. And they might do it. And that changes the world forever. In a very, very negative, negative way. Fast tracks a lot of the fourth industrial revolution agendas, I promise you. So here's the pootster basically talking about the destruction of our culture and um, really the modern destruction of the nuclear family. They cannot ignore the fact that Russia cannot be defeated on the battlefield. So they're waging increasingly aggressive information attacks First of all, targeting the young generations, lying on every step, distorting historical truth, attacking our culture, the Russian Orthodox Church, and uh, other traditional religious institutions in our country. 
Now look at what they're doing with their own peoples. They're destroying the institution of family, their cultural and historical identity, and uh, various perversions with regard to children up to pedophilia. So far, it's hard to say that he hasn't said anything that's real. And this isn't, whoa, go Vladimir. But they have been normalizing this stuff. You know, I saw somebody, you know, I'm in a fraternity. One of the older guys post something about some horrible meme about, oh, well, your kids live in, in a world where they're doing duck and cover um, shooting drills all the time for code reds. And you're worried about uh, drag queens in, in school. Yeah. Yeah. And um, one of my other buddies goes, I teach my uh, my kids to run away from pedophiles. Oh, you're so ignorant. If I wanted to, I'd go down the line of just the last month. The, the, the Dalton Report, open secret, great Twitter handles to follow for this stuff, where you have these drag queens that are also activists that want access to your kids that, in fact, what? Get caught with children. He's not wrong. And it goes even beyond the disturbing sexual nature of this and the destruction of innocence and the destruction of society and culture into what? That transhumanist agenda. It's very real. It's very real. Are accepted as the new norm. And priests are forced to recognize and officiate same-sex weddings. People can live however they want. And uh, we in Russia have uh, never intruded into people's private life. So, you know, that, that's probably the biggest hot button part of it. Ooh, ooh, he dared speak out against same-sex marriage. And like I said this, and, I've, and, I'll, and I'll say it again, before all, all the, the marriage stuff finally got passed into to national law, and, and there was that hill to die on where you had a few states that were allowing it, and you had... Uh, gay couples going there to get married. I always said this, look, if you look into it, marriage is more of a religious institution than a government one. Why don't you just uh, appease both sides, okay? And leave marriage between a man and a woman and then call whatever you want, civil union, I, I call it marriage, larriage, carriage, I don't care. And give these people the same exact rights Period. Call it something different. Give them that. You can't even do that. You have to blur the lines even more. All right. And just like Putin said, do what you want as an adult. I don't care who you live with or who you love. You know, keep children out of it. That's all I ask. And we're not going to do that. But what we want to say is maybe they should take a look in the scripture, into the holy book of any great religion. It says that the family is a union between woman and man. And these holy texts are now being increasingly doubted in the West. The uh, Anglican Church is now considering the idea of a gender neutral God. What can we say 
God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. God forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And, and again, this gender-neutral God, this non-binary nonsense is an extension of the AI into a transhumanist agenda. You know, I've been going back and forth yesterday with uh, Kurt Metzger, who I recently met at a uh, comedy show that a buddy of mine was opening for in Wisconsin. And th this is why you have conversations with people. Because I, I started talking to him about transhumanism and these other things. Finally, I brought up Martin Rothblatt. I had no idea about Rothblatt. I kind of just briefly explained how this whole transgender thing is to move you into non-carbon-based life, okay? And so you reject any types of the social norms, et cetera. And I tell him about Rothblatt, and I show him some things, and I'm blowing his mind. So now he started really looking into Martin Rothblatt and the transhumanist transgender connection all right it, it's it's this is a spiritual battle as much as it is a biological one and i'm not up here preaching and telling you what to believe when i say spiritual i believe that humanity is special that we do have a a, a vast connection okay to the ethos around us that surrounds us and instead they want to replace you with this hogwash, with this Johnny nonsense. And this is tongue in cheek, sure, but I don't care for it. Ha 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 uh, that I believe it's it's UAE or Saudi Arabian citizenship. That's Grace's cousin. Remember, Grace runs on Cardano, right? In this internet of bodies, in this biomedical techno-fascist revolution. That's the reality. And, you know, I talk about collective swarms and drones, etc. Um, there's this rather extended 20-plus minute interview with somebody who's developing uh, drones that look and act like birds and use the flapping mechanism. I did want to play uh, just a little bit of that. Let's see. Do some of that. Pause this. Bring it to about the minute mark right here just so you can take a look. And, yeah, it looks pretty crude. But, remember, this is what they're showing you. And the kinematics and the flights of birds. So that got me to uh, be introduced to the biomimicry, and that's basically all my research that I'm doing here at New Mexico Tech, which where we can learn from nature to develop optimized autonomous systems, including drones. Uh, so for these specific projects, uh, drones in general, they have like uh, 200 potential application in our daily life, which they are mainly civil applications. And one of the applications that we have been targeting is drones for wildlife monitoring. Okay. Wildlife monitoring. By the way, you're the wildlife. You're the wildlife. <laughs> and, and eventually, they they want co-opted insects, and they already really have co-opted insects and co-opted birds. They want actual biological drones. 
that have built-in technology. Years ago, public knowledge, they would grow these uh, chips in the, the larval brains of insects, and then they would remotely control the bugs after the fact. Not science fiction, folks. Not science fiction. So here's what we're going to do. I got this great interview with um, Ray Dietrich, the founder of Red Voice Media. We are going to do what we did yesterday. We're going to play the uh, first half here on the free portion of the broadcast. The rest of this is going to be over at redvoicemedia.com, uh, redvoicemedia.com slash Jason, redvoicemedia.com slash uncensored. Remember, it is $10 a month, but it's only a buck to try for the first week or lock it in for a year. That helps. And uh, you get 20 bucks off, $100 for the year. We're here four days a week. You're going to find out if you are on premium during the second half of this interview that we are expanding over here. And, you know, he's got a new studio coming up. He's got producers coming in. Hopefully we're going to have more cool guests. But the discussion that we end up having is really about law enforcement in general and the necessity for checks and balances within these systems, whether it's your local police or in it's an international intelligence organization. So uh, without further ado, remember, thumbs it up, subscribe and share. We'll cut this off about halfway at the end of the hour and then go over to redvoicemedia.com slash Jason slash uncensored. Here we go. Hey, everybody, Jason Burmis here. And for the next hour or so, we've got a treat, in my opinion, because Red Voice Media has allowed me to really talk about whatever I like and have diverse opinions from some of the mainline stuff that you may see in other alternative or conservative media. And when I've been talking about the Tyler Nichols case or, or really any case in particular, of high level abuse within our justice system via the police department. I often talk about how when you have units that don't have supervision and really don't report to anybody, they can get out of control. And with the Tyler Nichols thing, um, as much as they tried to make it about race, obviously that wasn't the issue. Now, I think that you run the risk of those things a lot more often when you have people that are obviously not qualified for the position. Okay, where the oversight is not there. And I don't think we've scratched the surface as to how deep it goes. Now, I often refer to The Shield as one of my favorite television shows, especially about law enforcement, because it gets into one of these units out in uh, the Los Angeles area. And, and basically, you had a, a by the book cop that had a unit and didn't have oversight, and incrementally they become more and more corrupt to the point that they become a criminal organization themselves. Now, on the flip side of that, the founder of Red Voice Media, Ray Dietrich, is somebody who experienced the real thing for many years. And I would be remiss to say, first of all, I've never been a defund the police guy. And I've never been a guy that says, look, we're gonna, we got to get rid of the whole military. We're going to have an imagination land anarchy and the non-aggression principle. That's not real. 
You know, that pe people use force, whether you want to use force or not, there will people, there will be people that will use their force as much as they can until there is pushback. That's reality. That's human nature. So, you know, you need a military, you need intelligence organizations. And I do believe that you obviously need undercover officers and units. So to kind of discuss the balance between oversight, informants, um, things that maybe bend the law a bit and really have a broad discussion, not only about the police department and what I think is, you know, not very much a racial issue as they try to make it out to be. They often do that, but really an issue of accountability and police brutality that goes beyond, you know, and not holding the people that are blatantly doing this accountable, opening the door for other bad actors. So I blabbered enough. We went almost three minutes there on reality rants without even letting my guests and the owner of the network speak. So, so Ray, uh, let, let's kick it off. First of all, describe how you got involved in such a, such a unit, what years you were involved, and, and I guess the, the positive aspects of that. Sure. You, you know, I spent uh, 17 years, you know, sworn law enforcement, right? In Southern California area, Los Angeles County, Riverside County, like busy areas, right? So my career started in the jail, like all deputy sheriffs do. And then I get out to patrol, do my thing. And I became a training officer and I probably trained a dozen deputies how to do their job, right? Like, and that's probably one of the most important, important jobs there is because you try to duplicate good behavior. And then I ended up going to the teams, right? And that's what you're talking about. And that's why I called you. I was like, Jason, we have to talk about this shield thing. And by the way, the shield is awesome. Vic Mackey, great character. There, that, that was spun up after the Rampart scandal in LAPD. So it's kind of based loosely on that unit. Uh, you know, in the first place, it's not really based in reality, but it was right after that. They spun it up in the same area, the whole thing. So, you know, I, I ended up working on, on two special teams where it's just what you're talking about, right? You know, undercover, surveillance, informants, search warrants, raids, doing all those things. And I worked on uh, a team in, in uh, Hemet, California, where we, we basically handled local problems. Because here's here's how these, these units are important. And, and this is what I wanted to talk to you about, right? In these, and, you know, after that, I worked a gang team, a gang task force with multi-agental ju jurisdiction, you know, cross trained and, and sworn into the California DOJ and all this crap, right? Like we had a border patrol guy. We had this guy, we had this guy, blah, blah, real effective gang task force team, task force team on a large scale in a large area. But how, how this works is like, look, patrol cops are not really the ones that are going to keep you safe. They're, they're going to be the ones that show up at your house when you call, or if something happens, they're there to pick up the pieces. But these guys are running from call to call to call in busy areas. And, you know, mostly I'm talking about busy areas with this kind of stuff. They're either running the calls, you know, writing reports or looking for someone to pull over, like uh, just a random contact of maybe a criminal. They're not the ones that are, are hunting the predators, right? Like the, the really bad guys. They don't have time. They, they, they can't sit up in front of a house for three or four days or follow someone around and find out his dope routes and his connections to the Mexican cartels. Like they can't track down with informants and, and arrest a, a gang of Nazis. Like literally they do exist. Cause I, I helped do that with an informant and we put, I think six or seven of them in jail for attempt murder or greater. Like those, those teams are, 
are super necessary, like super necessary to keep people safe because they're the ones that have the time. They don't have to respond to calls. They can, they can follow up on crimes. They're like your best chance to actually get someone off the street before they hurt somebody. Right. So the, the problem, and, and you can cut me off anytime, but like the problem with them and you're correct is it's a supervision thing. Some of these teams, like you, they can get really wildly out of control and look, Yes, I was in law enforcement for a long time. I'm a multi-generational cop, all those things. But I don't back the blue 100% all of the time. Like I refuse to do that because even when I worked in law enforcement, I thought 30% of them probably shouldn't be there anyways. Like that's, that's just, a high number. I mean, that's your role in the dice. That's one out of three. And, yeah, and that's 100%. why, you, you know, I'm not saying that you give a police officer everything they want, but you act, you try to be courteous. And you try to make that interaction, I guess, as non-confrontational as possible throughout, and you're going to find the best results. But it often does, I guess you could say, depend on the person, right? We're talking about those kind of things. In my mind, you know, let's let's roll through your unit. Like, what was um, like the specific levels that these people had in experience? Because obviously with this Nichols unit, and I'd like you to kind of compare and contrast that, you had a lot of guys that looked like they were on the force less than five years out of that four or five person team. Um, one that already had a questionable record before he was hired, as in the standards uh, were lowered. I think that's a, a mixture for disaster, especially, you know, whether people like to say this or not, has nothing to do with the color of their skin, in my opinion. People that are actually from that community and have that street mentality. I don't care what color you are, but you you put that into the mix. Now, that can be a benefit if you have somebody who's been there a long time, has a good record, is utilizing that um, for your benefit. I would assume those are kind of the people um, that you want as an informant because it's so hard to trust criminals or anybody. But at the same time, um, I would say that you want some outside looking in within the unit to keep it. Um, first of all, you want people that are qualified, but then you want to keep it in check and going in a certain direction. So so talk about how many people were in your unit over the years and, and what levels of law enforcement and experience they had. Yeah, I mean. Between the two teams, we had a small unit in my first one, it was probably five, and that one was actually a, a less experienced team. I had seven years on and had already been a training officer for quite quite some time before I did that. There was guys that only had a couple years patrol though, right? Um, that team, it was a small pool to pull from. So you had like 40 people at that station to pull from, very small to, like uh, station there. And they were pulled more for performance. So they they pulled in the people who, were tactically sound, did good work, hustled and all those kinds of things. Uh, my second team was, was a bigger team. It was like a bigger deal, right? Like the uh, interagency task force, you know, nobody had less than 10 years on that team. You know, our supervisor who rolled with us had 20 years of, of surveillance and, and work in uh, narcotics investigations on our team. So that team was, was much more put together than the other one, as far as the experience levels, but it's, it's not always experience, Jason, like experience, in what? Because how it works in for real, like in the cop world, is you can you can drive around a car for 20 years and, and tell everyone you have 20 years on as a cop and you're not doing anything, right? Like you you don't have experience because you're experienced at trying to get out of work. And that's unfortunately a huge percentage of cops. There's there's like that crust of 10, 15 percent 
that do all of the heavy lifting in law enforcement. And that's just reality. And I, I'm not scared to talk about that, right? So it, it's almost a race to get the, the ones who are willing to, to do extra dangerous shit. I mean, that, that's what we're talking about, kicking in doors and search warrants. You know, that's, that's where the, the bad things happen. So you're trying to filter more than just time on or, or what, what is ex- considered experience with your work ethic and, and how you operate as a cop. So, you know, it's, it's a very difficult thing to, to, for selection on these. Cause then you also have to worry about more about will the team get together or, 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 or uh, get along together. Right. Mm-hmm. So a lot of it, you know, to be honest, they sit around and we talk about within the teams who's next, right. Make sure everyone's on the same page. Yeah. We know this person's good because of X, Y, and Z. So most of the special teams I've been around are, are like that. I mean, it, it's kind of almost a self-selection and that's also where they can get in trouble, right? Like 100% because if, if you don't have, you know, and I left, I was a supervisor for four years. I was a Sergeant before I left. And that, that's one of the most important positions are there. Like the sergeant is like your field person, lieutenants, captains, all of them. They don't even know what's going on. They probably don't even know the deputies' names. It's, it's the sergeant. So, you know, you have to, to have the right ones in there on supervision and keep a tight rein. Because I've worked for some that let us do whatever we want, 100%. And, and I had good people I worked with, so we didn't get in trouble with it. But you get the the wrong mixture of people with really bad supervision that that doesn't know their people. I mean, it can go off the rails. Absolutely. And and guys have gotten in trouble a bunch over the years with that stuff. So it's it's not necessarily like the level of experience. It's really the quality of the cop. Like, Like that's the only thing you can really look for when you're putting together one of these teams. But, you know, it's... I know you're not a defunder, but it's one of those things where if you take that away, I guarantee people are less safe. Like those are the guys who, who are getting the bad guys and getting, getting the illegal guns and all of the things off the street. Like we would follow people around. I mean, I, I followed somebody for, for a long time, days, you know, electronic surveillance, physical surveillance, all the things with, with teams. And we're talking murder suspects that would drag us, you know, a hundred miles in a different direction. Patrol cops can't do any of that. So you, you lose these kind of teams. You, you're not going to get the bad guys. So let, let's talk about, I, I guess, what you would say was mo- one of the most, if not the most successful sting and operation that you took part of. And then I'd like to contrast that with as much as you can tell me off of maybe the worst one and the one that went off the rails. And maybe uh, there was somebody that did some questionable things that maybe did have to either um, – you know, leave the team or be subject to some kind of subordination and punishment afterwards. Yeah. I mean, I've been in and set up and coordinated, you know, the multi warrant location or the multi location warrants are the big ones, right? I've, I've done, you know, 30 location hits, like looking in, in, in the gang world. Um, that's a big operation, right? Uh, but the most su- successful, I would say, was kind of what I was alluding to early, earlier when uh, we used you know, two or three informants to basically dismantle an actual skinhead gang, not, not like make believe white supremacy in America, but you know, people stomping out people on the street because they're brown or black, right? Like they, that does exist in America. Um, and we were able to use an informant over a period of two to three months. So it wasn't a one-time operation, but um, these informants would go party with these guys and then call us right. Like that deep, like, like, in, in there, unleashed informants, which is also a very dangerous gray area when you're working informants. Like informants can burn you, they can get you killed, you can get them killed. 
they're, they have all of the reason to lie about everything to give you this information for their motives. So you have to filter through all of those things and make sure you don't become friendly with them. Right. Well, because the other thing is most of them are compromised right out of the gates and that's how they become an informant in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like we, we snatch them up. If someone comes to you as an informant and doesn't have a case and you don't have anything over their head, then that's a problem informant, right? They have another motive. So you got to be really careful about their, their, their motive on, on giving somebody up. Right. And nobody likes snitches. I don't even like snitches, but sometimes they're necessary in that. And, and to answer your question on, on the other side, honestly, in the teams, I, I, I personally didn't run into it. Yeah. I mean, I I've, I've seen plenty of things go, go terribly wrong and people get disciplined, but fr from like the teams, I, I really haven't, you know, I've seen excessive force in the past and, and all of those things. Um, I haven't, I have responded as an investigator to a bad shooting, but this stuff doesn't come from the teams as much as you would think. Like these kinds of units, um, they can get out of control, but usually that's your patrol guys who don't have the right experience, who aren't getting selected on these special units because nobody wants them uh, because they either can't talk to people, they're heavy handed, uh, they're just assholes. I mean, all of those things, right? Like it's, they're real people. Like that's, that's the toughest thing about, you know, being called to defend law enforcement all the time. How am I going to defend 800,000 active police officers and, and tell you that some of them aren't bad, right? Come on. Like, it's just people. <clears throat> Thank you. I, and I think that's important, the, the human element of all of it. So let's talk about that human element. Let's talk about this uh, Nichols case. So number one, you know, obviously, I, I don't think the punishment fits the crime, but he did run. Right. And, you know, it's not like they weren't being heavy hand with him, but he didn't just let them have their way. And at some point ran away from these guys. Um, obviously, what ensued afterwards is, you know, beyond words. This guy ends up dying. But in short order, these guys are charged with murder. OK. Uh, in fact, they had their first day in court, I think, this week. I believe I saw that uh, maybe even last week. So so that's actually a pretty speedy trial as well. What do you, if you had to break down that entire incident with this unit, how he was pulled over, what happened, what ensued, and, you know, so far do the charges, because we don't know what the punishment is yet, fit the crime? Yeah, 100% the charges fit the crime. I, I reviewed all the video they put out, read everything I could about it, because, you know, it, my lens, like being honest, is like, okay, everyone's saying these are murderers. Let me take a look and see if I can shoot. 40 holes through it like I can in most of these videos. I looked at it and I go, okay, these guys are murderers. The biggest thing I can tell you about that particular incident is once they, they chased him down and caught him, they stopped being cops. Like a cop would have overcome the resistance if he was still fighting and put handcuffs on the man, right? Searched him and arrested him. They didn't even try to handcuff him. Like that, that's the, and I haven't seen much of that. I, I've never seen even a beating that didn't lead to murder at, at this magnitude ever in all this time in law enforcement. I worked in LA and, and, and you know, another agency in, in SoCal. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't even try to, to handcuff him. And, you know, my cop brain's like, well, maybe I don't know all the information and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, let's see the facts. And then I kept watching. And then when they stood him up, and held his hands behind his back and beat him. They're just thugs, man. Like there's zero defense for them. But like you said, like the speedy, the speedy action of, of the criminal justice system here, right? That's, that's what drives me nuts about 
when people protest so much about these kinds of incidents. I understand this is a horrible incident, but it's not, you don't defund the police because of something like this happens. Like I said, there's 800,000 cops. They're going to commit crimes and they're going to do terrible things. What we have to worry about is the accountability afterwards. And, and look, as a cop, you have so much more scrutiny than the average person. And when you go to court, if you fuck up and you're in court, you're going to get sentenced so much more than the average person. Cause they know, you know, better that you're held to a completely higher standard. Um, I, I think the criminal justice system does a pretty good job wrecking cops who screw up, right? So like we have to we have to look at that not as a win, but as as an example of it actually working. Like we have a system set up. We're gonna have people do bad things on both sides of the law, but did the system work? And, and you know, I would say that absolutely did on this. You know, so far so good. I'll say that. Right. You know, right. uh, you know, I saw the lawyer for uh, one of these gentlemen grandstanding saying, you know, this is a black man in America. Let's not forget that. I'm like what planet are we on? When when can we get to the idea that it doesn't matter what the hell the color of these people's skin are, and in most cases, even if they're different, you have the, the real systemic issue is with that individual or unit or individuals they're working with. Because whenever you do see a large uh, case of corruption break in a large city area, I remember years ago in New York City, you had a unit that was uh, not only into prostitution, but dealing drugs at the same time. That's something that happens. It's a problem with them. It wasn't because they were Hispanic or black or white or Asian or Chechen or any of that. <laughs> it's a problem with them. And one of the things that I always pointed to in the Garner case, and of course, you know, there was a lot of people that said, well, you know, their choke was proper. He went by the books, et cetera over loose cigarettes in New York City. That was big, big time problem for me. But you saw the, the race baiters like Al Sharpton try to jump in there. They're still jumping in now on this case, by the way, which is incredible to me. And the family said, no, thank you. They said, listen, this isn't a racial issue. It's a police brutality issue. Didn't matter what color my husband was or what color the officer was. We need to hold these people accountable. And the, the racial issue isn't one that we should be looking at. Now, at the same time, you just discussed that, hey, American History X, great movie, but based in some kind of reality, there really are those groups of people. Uh, I'm curious, uh, aside from just picking people to physically assault and do whatever to, th these people are often involved in low-level drug crimes and trafficking as well, right? I mean, you're looking at literal gangs that aside from their bigotry and hatred are also part of criminal organizations. And I would even say this, I would posit this. They often work with other gangs that aren't of the same color as them, don't they? Yeah, especially when they go to jail and prison, right? Like 100%, the, 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 uh, the racist uh, ideal goes out the window when there's money involved, right? Like that's what most of these gangs boil down to is cash. And, you know, the, the dope, trafficking dope, sometimes prostitution, sometimes robbery rings. You know, a lot of gangs are famous for doing home invasion robberies and, and, and all the different things. Uh, and, and the white supremacist gangs are actually like the biggest fraudsters ever because they're, they're a bunch of super tweakers who go out and steal mail all night and, and you know, put their, their credit cards together and, and do their thing. So, you know, these people, 
the problem I have like with the entire criminal justice system right now is, is how they're just reducing all of these crimes. Like you saw, like at the MSU shooter, right? They had a chance to get him disqualified from gun ownership and a woke Soros DA reduced it from a felony to a misdemeanor on a concealed weapons charge. And, and hold on, let me, let me stop you there. On top of that, you know, I, I, I know you watched the show. Uh, I played, uh, that was Higgins talking about these red flag laws. Forget about an unknown tip. You had this man's uncle call law enforcement several times saying that he was psychotic and mentally ill. I guarantee he was on some type of psychotropic drugs. Who knows? Maybe a dozen like that woman that we covered still hasn't been brought out in the media. He uses a handgun, not a weapon of war. <laughs> and so far, as far as I know, there, there is no, um, there's no motive other than this guy was suicidal. And we know on every single one of these labels that suicidal thoughts and actions, they never throw the homicidal first in there, but this guy shot himself in the head too, you know, and no one is pointing those things out. So all the things they want were put into place. Harsh gun laws already could have had the felony charge, red flag laws. Hell, we'll give you the uncle. It's even beyond that. And Nothing was done, Ray. I'm sorry. No, that's that's how it works. Like when the system is so worried about being woke, right, and and pleasing a mob, and that's where we're at. Like they're these DAs that are getting elected are, are running on basically letting everybody out of jail, you know, knocking down all of these crimes to to misdemeanors because of systemic racism, right? And here we are, the crimes through the roof. People are less safe. It's a it's a freaking mess, man. And they have these tools in place. They don't use them. Like there's countless examples of these kind of things. I think the MSU is, is, a, is a supremely good example of the justice system breaking down and, and getting people killed. Right. Because it's they had a, multiple opportunities to, to keep this from happening, but they didn't want to pursue justice on any of those things. So yeah. you, you can't have it both ways. So which one which way is it, do they want it? And look, here's the thing. I think that, you know, felonies should be taken seriously. And if you're, first of all, if you're a felon, number one, you should probably be charged, even if you end up getting a reduction in the sentence based on your past behavior. You know, I mean, look, anybody who's been part of the court system, even with something as simple as, um, you know, a speeding ticket knows that you can plea down. And if your record isn't that bad, you can plea down or gets an assault charge. You know, you can usually plead. There's a lot of things, even career criminals after a while can still, and especially depending on your location, can plead these down. The fact that over the last, I would say now, three plus years, maybe four, you've seen a movement for catch and release, no bail. Ray, I'll never forget it. It was on the eve. It was on New Year's Eve, like 8 p.m. You know, it gets dark about 530 around that time where I was getting ready um, to uh, actually put in my two weeks notice and run my bar for the last time. <laughs> actually, two I gave him two months. <laughs> and the catch and release thing was going into play the next day, okay? And I live off of uh, Highway 88 and James Lettuce, little highway, a couple bridges, but you're not supposed to go more than 45 miles an hour. Very short stint. You're talking about like a, a mile, maybe. So all of a sudden, I see all these cop cars flashing lights under the bridge, on the off-ramp, right before you get on. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? A man, now he wasn't drunk or anything, but he did not have a license. 
he had, I think, five violations and speeding tickets. Like, she had no business being on the road. Hit a woman who wasn't in a car, killed her. She she was in critical condition there, did not survive. He didn't go to jail. They didn't even book him. The, wow. the, the, the actual police station is less than a mile away. And they didn't even take him into booking. And I was just like, look, man, whether or not he has a criminal record or whatever, you should at least, if you're going to catch him release, you should at least book him. They let him just go on his way. I'm like, what is this? And then retroactively in areas like Albany and Schenectady, you saw people that because of the circumstances had actually killed people, but they didn't go with first degree murder or voluntary homicide. So it was plead down. And they were just being let out of jail. That sounds absurd and obscene and impossible, but it has been a movement in this country and it's a reality happening every day. Yeah, I, I, I got another example for you. It's, it's super extreme. My old department, Riverside Sheriff, we had a deputy murdered in December named uh, Isaiah Cordero. And the suspect who killed him, um, multiple time convicted, violent felon, you know, gun charges, all of the things. He had recently been convicted in a case of felony assault where uh, a highway patrol canine was stabbed in the vehicle he was in. It was like a fight. So he went to court. The judge sends him to prison, but suspended it and let him go home for like 90 days. I, I, I think it was 90 days before he had to report to prison. And guess what? He didn't report. And when, when the, some motor cop pulled up on him, you know, not knowing that this guy is supposed to be in prison, he shot him and killed him. And it's these kinds of things are happening over and over. So much of the violent crime that, that people are experiencing right now, if you dig in and look at the, the, the suspect's record and how the justice system dealt with them, these people shouldn't have been out and, and the crime shouldn't have been happening. But they're trading like woke ideas for votes, right? Like that's what the, that's what this boils down to. They're pandering for votes and they'll just destruct the, the justice system to do it. And they don't care. They, they just keep pushing. It's insane so. to me, man, because look, I've never, all right, let's just pause it right there. We are going to go over to the premium section of the broadcast. We're going to finish up with Ray. We got about, I think 20 plus minutes, 28 minutes, almost 30 minutes left on that great interview. Uh, again, can't thank him enough for allowing my voice really not just allowing, but amplifying my voice here at Red Voice Media and being open and candid about law enforcement, corruption. Um, we get more into the macro sense of that in the second half of the broadcast. And, and I want to remind everybody, hey, not a premium member, no problem. The Info Warrior over at Podbean is streaming the audio right now it's available every day for free so you get a whole nother hour of free content if you just want to listen in the background and then every two weeks just like today they release another one of my premiums for free so you can backlog and then if you there's a document that i read or a video that i play you get to see it in real time couldn't do it without your support. Obviously, the links are down below, including redvoicemedia.com slash Jason. One at a time, I'm going to go down the line and uh, say goodbye to all the other platforms. Remember, 
listening free over on the bean, but thumbs it up, subscribe and share no matter what platform you're uh, you're watching on. Share, share, share the videos and, and share the short stuff too. Share the documents. Let people know about the real issues that are going on. How many people know about the Utah SRA case or Levitt in, in particular? Not many. All right, YouTube, we'll see you later. Rockfin, it's always real. Twitter, goodbye now. And Rumble, Arrivederci. We've got the good to go over for the premium. So let's continue on with Ray Dietrich, founder of Red Voice Media. Or even lived in like the hyper urban areas like a Chicago or an NYC. Uh, probably the closest I've ever been is I stayed out in West Hollywood and Los Feliz a little bit. But still, that's not you know, right in the, in the, in the city areas, like go to, go to downtown Oakland and hang out everybody. Let me right. tell you, <laughs> you yeah, know, I, I started in uh, South central LA. That's where I, I did my patrol training, right down there about 20 miles South from where you were. There's places that gangsters, if they cross the wrong street, they will get shot like straight up. It's that bad. It, it All is the that time. bad. People can't it's not gonna change. It. And the thing is that you used to go to other areas like San Francisco, right? And, Gorgeous, very compact, but you know, not the way it is now. That's been destroyed. And more and more of these collective areas that were once, you know, suburban kind of cities or, or those things are being destroyed because of the policies that are stemming out of the large cities like New York City, Chicago, and LA. Okay. And you can sit there on your high horse and think it's not coming to you. It's coming to you guys. It, it, it will affect you eventually, and I think more and more people are coming to that realization, but they don't know how to pull back or if they can pull back because they're so dedicated to their party or they're, I'm a liberal. I'm a liberal. <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, what does that even mean at this point, right? I saw Tulsi Gabbard on uh, Gutfeld last night, and he goes, Tulsi, you're a progressive. And she's like, am I? What does a progressive even mean at this point? I mean, what does right. it mean? Yeah. And because of this, we're heading into like something even more scary than than violent crime going up right now. It, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? The left and and all the anti-cops, uh, cop people out there that have gone all in since, you know, Ferguson and especially after George Floyd, you know, the cops are racist killers. Cops are this and that, you know, they're killing people unarmed all the time on the street. Well, because of that rhetoric, because of the rioting, because of, you know, DAs refusing to, to actually prosecute arrests that are being made, um, because of jab mandates, a lot of, of the, the best cops are, are leaving, you know, urban areas and going to red states, or they're retiring if they're able, or a lot of them are resigning. I, I resigned. I saw the writing on the wall after Ferguson. I hung on for two more years and I was like, nope, I'm not going to participate in what's what's coming. I, I could see it coming. So as these people leave, this causes staffing shortages, right? Which you're like, oh yeah, whatever, you know, no big deal, staffing shortages. Well, the problem is in policing, you have to put people in those cars. You have to have a certain level, like a percentage to the population, depending on where you work, of how many cops are out there protecting you um, on any any given night. So say your station needs, you know, 12 units in, in your city to keep you safe. 
the first thing will happen is overtime, right? So now you're going to get exhausted, tired, grumpy cops. Cause I've worked stations even before all this, where I was working 90, hundred hours a month just to fill minimum staffing. Okay. So the next step, you mean a I've week, seen right? Before, Not a month. What's that? Week. You mean a week, right? No, 96 hours of overtime in a month. Oh, Jesus. Oh, okay. oh yeah. All right. All oh, right. yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, a lot. So, so now you're talking 60, 60 plus hours most weeks. Yeah, 100%. And I've done that for years in a row. Um, and what happens is when it gets too bad, they start lowering hiring standards. And I've seen two phases of this. It happened in the 90s. It happened in the mid 2000s, but not to this level because we've never had staffing problems this bad and it's just going to get worse. And what happened on both those occasions when, you know, nationally they had to hire or lower hiring standards uh, to get people in those, those cars, we hired the wrong people, right? And they caused so many problems. I was actually assigned to internal affairs, believe it or not, for, for a little while, uh, not voluntarily by any means, but um, I would say 75% of our cases were if you look and when these cops were hired, it was like an 18 month period where they, they brought in all of the wrong people. So as the staffing levels get worse and worse and worse and people don't want to become cops, like I said, I'm a multi-generational cop. I, I would never recommend my children be, to be police officers anymore. Never. I don't know any cops that would. Okay. So where does that lead us? They're going to hire people no matter what, because they can't just say, oh, we just don't have people. We're not going to send anybody out on patrol tonight. Nope. They're going to hire all of the wrong people. And then 10 years after that, those are the people that are going to be leading the department. Those are going to be your supervisors. They're going to go through the ranks. And I'm telling you, you think it's bad now? It, it's it's going to get extremely bad on both sides, like the law enforcement side and the crime side. You're going to have cops that should never have been hired, who never could be hired five years ago out there with a badge and a gun. And that, that badge and gun is very heavy when you're a new cop and especially if you shouldn't be there you know that's something we were discussing on the phone the other day is kind of this clockwork orange scenario uh for those that haven't seen the film clockwork orange so relevant even today kind of hard to watch at points i think that's one of its appeals i'm a big kubrick fan um but for kind of a synopsis you go through this journey of an individual who uh is the head of a gang and he basically gets in trouble with the law as the gang um, does a home invasion, beats and rapes people, the whole nine. By the time he gets out, his buddies are law enforcement. <laughs> it's come to this full circle of society where now his droogs, his gang members, are actually in charge of the law. And, you know, there's a lot of other things to be said about that movie. Mind control, uh, reformation. As somebody who's been part of the legal system. And, and I, I saw the legal system up close as a kid, the uh, the prison system. How, how much of it is about reformation? Because there's so many people that say, hey, you go in there, you're going to come out five, 10 times as bad. And I've always been like, well, it really depends on what direction you go and what prison you're in. I, I think it's, a, it's one of those things too, where um, you might have a better chance at a different institution because of the culture there. Uh, what's what's your view on that? Because not all prisons and systems are built the same. Not all crimes are built the same. I think that some people actually can reform themselves. They do learn their lesson. They do understand, hey, I don't want to be amongst the animals of society in a cage. And you, you can say what you want, guys. There are some of us that are fucking animals. <laughs> all right. They deserve 100% to be in that prison 
for the rest of their lives. They have no business being out on the streets. I hate that you can't reform everybody. Now, at the same time, I want to give as many people a shot at redemption as possible. What's your insight on that? You know, I've, I spent maybe four years working county jails, including the largest county jail in the country. You know, Men's Central Jail in L.A., we had uh, up to 7,000 inmates at any time for about 150 deputies, right? Like, that's the ratio you're working with. Um, so I have a California lens to this. And, you know, I've been in multiple California prisons do, doing interviews, follow-ups on crimes and, and all those things. So, you know, I've, I've got a in gangs, I worked uh, really closely with the prison system. So I have a good idea what happens in the California prison, too. Um, I will tell you, with with a California lens on that, there is no reforming anybody, and and even more so now, because there aren't any facilities that aren't just riddled with with gang violence and drugs and beatings and rapes and everything else. California has done an excellent job of of removing prison beds, uh, removing jail beds, closing jails, and not building new ones. So they have to to reshuffle this deck of what's considered the worst of the worst, right? So it used to be, you know, be violent offenders would for sure go to jail and get in custody or, or, or be sentenced to prison and do time there. Um, and then it got to be where, you know, if, if you were doing an armed robbery, you'd probably go to jail. If you did a burglary of a residence, you'd probably go to jail. Now we're to the point where if you're not committing a violent crime, because if you're stacking all these bodies up with all these different charges, you sort them, wor- you know, worst to best. And every time they close a jail, every time they close a prison, every time they decriminalize something, they're, they're taking away these, these positions in there. And basically, the only people left in, in these jails and prisons are the worst of the worst, right? Like, it, it's just absolutely mayhem in most of these places. Even the county jail that I worked at, I worked at three, but L.A. County's jail, it was like a gladiator school. If you end up there, there there's there's no reforming. Like you, you either comply with the rules of your race and, and, and join your team or you get your ass beat at, at the least. So, you know, there are very, very bad people, though. Like normal people should never have to experience a jail or prison, but there's not much about cleaning those places up either. Cause the only way you can keep the violence down in those places is like solitary confinement and you can't do that either. So it, it's kind of lost. And I don't, I don't see much reformation going on in, in either of those. Very dark, Ray. That's <laughs> I'm here to help. I'm here to help. <laughs> well, you know what? I want a realistic <laughs> viewpoint. Obviously I'm going to do my best uh, to stay out of prison for the rest of my life and that system. And I don't think that people understand, you know, quite what goes on in these places, even the corruption within the law enforcement and the other workers that have to make that uh, happen. The fact that the prison system has also been privatized. So maybe everybody that is there shouldn't be there. And and like you said, but once you're in that system, uh, you know, we're not talking about county. We are talking about probably one of the rougher places in the country, um, in, in especially on the left coast. So, you know, I I hope there is some reformation out there for some people. You know, I I think there has to be a road to redemption. Now, on the flip of that, before we were talking, talking about other um, types of law enforcement, intelligence agencies, and really how oftentimes people that are at high levels end up being compromised. And instead of having to feel the brunt, a.k.a. Um, you know, a trial and you're going to jail, you basically become somebody's puppet. Now, on a micro level, you've seen that via informants. Uh, but on a macro level, you know, we were just discussing how somebody like Lord Mountbatten, 
who, yeah, you know, hey, the crown's a big show, everybody is a real person, but he's got an FBI document out there where they're like, oh, he's actually a homosexual with a perversion for young boys, aka padding the language for pedophile. Let's put him in charge of a, a large portion of NATO. You know, he only gets accelerated. And I think we've seen this time and time again. And often in the background, this is probably happening and we have no idea about it. You know, that's something that obviously I cover. But but being on the inside, what do you think about it? You know, I, I, I can look at the informant level and tell you 100 percent like there, we we prey on compromised people to give get information that we want so that we can put bad people away right like one absolutely like that's exactly what we do we take advantage of them being compromised and we we, we dangle that carrot in front of them to get get the good thing out of them um i, I totally believe you know and, and i don't even want to say this word but you know look look at the epstein case right and, and i'm not talking about the list jason i know better i, I do know better so <laughs> i'm still waiting for all the unsealed documents and i still the list is out it's on all you listen all over social media it's funny after i did that interview with frank he literally sent me one of his followers had tagged him in twitter the WikiLeaks are unlocked again. Steve Jobs, HIV, but, 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 but continue. I'm sorry. No, <laughs> yeah. if, if you if you look at the Epstein case and go, okay, and, and you're one of the people that say this is probably has to do with some roots in an intelligence organization getting people dirty, documenting it all, and, and then blackmailing them to do things you want. Do you think our governments would do that? Yes, 100%. Do I think that that is the case in something like that operation? Yes, like 100%. That's what I think. Um, I I think we're really good at it. I, I, I think it's, it doesn't matter if it's on a small scale with, you know, some street informants or you're, you're flipping the, uh, the mafia boss to, to rat out everybody else or you catch some senator doing something he shouldn't do on, on an island he shouldn't be on. You know, that's how you control people because people are so fearful that their life will be ruined. They'll lose their family. They'll go to prison. Like it's over for them unless they do X, Y, and Z that they're told to do. And if you don't think that's happening now at high, high levels, like you're crazy and not paying attention. Well, check it out. Um, look at that Jess Staley case, right? I've been talking about that with JP Morgan. And now we have the weird Disney Beauty and the Beast stuff. Um, well, it seems Leslie Wexner can now be uh, subpoenaed, okay, in this suit. Uh, they've tried to subpoena him seven times. So now they're going to try to get him via mail. He's one person, in my opinion, that has skated extremely easily on this one and really been exonerated for some reason of any kind of meaningful investigation. And uh, lo and behold, of course, uh, the Dershowitz is his lawyer. And uh, oh. Wexner has a really interesting uh, document post the invasion of Afghanistan and the toppling of Saddam Hussein, where he basically writes up how we need to keep the United States in the war on terror and get the people behind being in Iraq for a very long time and how they're going to utilize pregnant women and propaganda campaigns in order to do so. It might be like the Frank Report or something like that, but it's by the Wexner Institute. Anybody can type it in, Wexner Institute, Iraq War, um, Israeli interests. Really stunning stuff. This guy has been at a high level of power for some time, and lo and behold, he's involved in the modeling industry. And then you look at the modeling industry with 
Epstein, obviously with his connection, but then Nygaard and Claude Hadid and how it seems like at the very least, these young girls and young women are put into high level prostitution rings, really, and passed around among um, either members of or minions of a predator class, in my opinion. You know, that's that's sure what it seems like, you know, and these people like the service on this guy, this billionaire who skated for so long. Like, uh, why is it that they would do that? I wonder why. Is it because he's 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 a billionaire and involved in our financial system and, you know, he's he's to be protected? It, it's it's so disgusting when you see how, how this stuff actually shakes out. And, and I mean, let me ask you this. Do you think do you think that that people are ever going to go to jail o- over the Epstein case, like the actual clients, the people wrapped up in this. I don't, I, I don't have any hope that, that that'll actually happen. I have lost that much faith in, in our system. As far as like, again, I don't know that it, it, it's necessarily a client system, right? Like when we look at Staley and JP Morgan, it looks like it's backdoor business deals and loans. And I think it's also involved in the same network that if you remember now it's like two, three years back, JP Morgan, that boat got caught with all that cocaine. And I think, I, I think that this goes back to what we saw with the Iran Contra network, especially because when that stuff uh, came out, one of the major arms dealers was connected to Epstein, right? And and that whole network, remember, Epstein also had a Saudi Arabian identity with an Austrian passport and a Saudi Arabian address that had expired. People often forget about the Middle East. And obviously, the guy had all sorts of Israeli ties. We just talked about uh, Wexner. What people don't get about Iran-Contra, which I it never gets brought up and it needs to because you have this proxy network of plausible deniability. It's not like the United States said, hey, give me those guns. No, they let Israel literally buy the glo- uh, the guns from Czechoslovakia. So now you're getting those for Eastern European uh, sources. It doesn't have anything to do with U.S. intelligence. They're the ones shipping them down to South America, to the Sandinistas, hands off. And then the Sandinistas... You know, basically come in, they get their drugs, cocaine and marijuana cargo, you know, the CIA guys that are contracted out, they're not even members of the CIA, they just have C-130s for some reason, go down, grab it, and then distribute it um, throughout the country via Florida that we know, Arkansas in the middle of the country, and then on the West Coast with the crack epidemic. No one really went to jail for that. I mean, you had a few people that did, that's the last mark on society, a lot of them ended up being pardoned. Some like Oliver Stone, what happened? They're made into folk heroes, right? And that's where Epstein becomes a billionaire. So, you know, I I think what you're looking at is a high level network of drug dealers, arms dealers. People don't talk about Prince Andrew. He was their arms dealer, everybody. That's what he did over there. He cut the arms deals. So you got Khashoggi connected to Epstein. You, You got Khashoggi connected uh, to Trump, maybe not in the arms dealing sense, but sold him the boat. They all ran in those circles. So look, Trump never, uh, as far as I know, and I'm sure that if it was the case, they would have brought something out about arms dealing. He was never into that. He was always in real estate and women. You know, real estate and women were are kind of part of the game. People also forget that a lot of these girls that are abused in their teens take to it. Nadia Marcinkova, 
would be one of the, the very big examples in the Epstein files where she becomes a confidant. And if anybody actually re read the unlocked Epstein files that have been around since 2019, it was revealed in those. That's when the dumps happened. 2017 to 2019, you did have a lot of stuff that came out via the Gouffre case, the Ronesome case and others. But it was posited in there that they bought her from a Yugoslavian family, like I think it was like as a as a 12 or 13 year old girl. And then all of a sudden, you know, she sticks around. She's around for a lot of these recruitments. Uh, she becomes a helicopter pilot for Epstein. And then at some level, it's like, well, what do you do with somebody like this? Is this person actually a bad person? Were they ever even given a chance? They're in sur survival mode as soon as they're there. You know, that's obviously going to warp your personality. Real people were named in these things. Sarah Kalin, Leslie Groff, Real Associates. Other other people were named that had never been named before, including uh, the person that Gaffrey ran away with, who was like, uh, uh, worked for Epstein, I think, in, in a bodyguard capacity. So, you know, this is a messy, messy case. But when you look at it, what does it have all the hallmarks of? Like you said, compromise, drug dealing, women. I mean, it's been positive and positive again. It's in it's in mainstream media. I've never seen it refuted. Trump has a, a history of suing you into the fucking ground. <laughs> if you say something that isn't true about his wife, Webster Tarpley, who I respect a lot, got sued into the ground for saying that Melania was essentially a high level prostitute. Now, on the flip side of that, by the way, I'm not saying anything, Donnie T. I'm reporting the news. Don't come after me. It's in the mainstream that Epstein had a party of 20-plus women, as far as I know, all over age, to audition for wife number three via Trump and Melania. Like, that's 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 something no one talks about. It's in the, it's in the mainstream media. It's never been debunked. Is that possible? Yeah. He, he wrote on his plane. He wished Ghislaine Maxwell well after the fact, and he didn't keep the guy alive to be tried. Now, is that on Trump? No, but he should have been like, yeah, um, I'm not sure who murdered the guy, but we're going to get to the bottom of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the, the, the whole Trump connection here, the only thing that, that I keep coming back to is, yeah, you know, for sure associated in all these things. And you know way more about all this stuff than I do. That, that is a, a new story. I haven't heard about the Melania selection. That That is very interesting. But I mean, don't you think that if they had the goods on Trump, like especially connected to Epstein, that that's the stuff that would get data dumps, like just to get him out of here, to get rid of him. I, I you know, who who knows what happened or how involved, and I'm not even trying to defend him. I'm just saying... I would think that if they if he was wrapped up in the illegal side of of all of those things that that's the stuff that would get leaked and would get dropped because they, they want him out of here so bad. Here's the thing: there was one lawsuit within this case, and you can actually watch it. Um, and I believe it's Johnston is her last name, and uh, actually gives a video deposition on Trump, and has the face blurred out. I watched it. Um, talks about a sex party, talks very specifically about wearing gloves, uh, I believe says she was either 14 or 16 at the time. There was a lawsuit. It got settled. It disappeared. Okay. I'm not, again, I am not accusing Donald of being a pedophile, but we also can't act like 
first of all, he doesn't drink, doesn't do drugs, yeah, to his credit. But women have always been something he's treated like property. Let's let's not. I've always said it, he's a misogynist. Let's be honest. You know, it may be a little better now because he's growing into his age, and maybe this is the last one. But he's always treated and talked about women as property and social symbols. He ran beauty pageants where some of those girls were 17, 18 years old, for sure, 100%. And you're looking at it. I mean, again, never re reputed. This is in 2019. This one's four years old. It, it specifically talks about him bragging about introducing him to Melania at one of these parties that he arranged. And I had been reporting on all of this stuff and kind of getting even attacked behind the scenes uh, by certain people that had supported me, being like, he's not on the flight logs. Again, I said, I didn't say he was on the flight logs. I said that there's an article in Vanity Fair where he talks about um, Jeffrey being late for his plane. You don't be late for other planes, which implies that he was on his plane as well. I'm like, again, I'm not accusing the guy, but um, you got to look at everything. You know, is it possible that Trump has done some questionable things sexually? Maybe. I don't think that he has a penchant uh, for pedophilia. I think at one level, um, he, he very much has always wanted to ride off into the sunset of being this great man, right? Achieving as much as possible, having his family, having an heir, uh, et cetera, et cetera. But did he work with shady characters? Fuck yes. People forget like he was doing, first of all, you don't build casinos in Atlantic City without having connections to organized crime. Like, are we going to pretend that's not, oh yeah, just, hey Don, just come on in. Come in on our racket. No, we want you to be in charge of the gambling there. Like, what planet are we living on? So, and especially being a contractor, not only in New Jersey and Atlantic City, but New York City. Again, oh, you don't think you're dealing with the mafia when you're dealing with construction in the city and the unions? Again, you, you have to realize that this guy has, has worked at a high level with the high level gangsters that wear the suits and have the accolades and maybe don't have the Italian sounding last names, but are certainly in power. We are on the cusp of an hour, Ray. Um, Red Voice Media is the kick Arnest website uh, that you have put together. A uh, bunch of shows other than mine. Tell people what's been going on over at Red Voice Media, what you've got going on with your show, other shows out there, and, and what's uh, going to be covered in the next week or so. Next week or so, I can't tell you because that's like a day-by-day -day operation. So that one I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to skate on. But look, we're, we're trying to build a a real alternative to like some of these streaming services. And, and you know, I, I know where, where this part of the video goes, so we'll keep this part in premium. But we're going after to be an edgier blaze tv or a daily wire plus like this conservative ink garbage that, that that comes out there and gets spewed about and we're you know we just brought in an entire production crew we're building out a studio we're we're scaling fast we are hiring we are bringing on new shows we've got probably four that we're going to announce in the next two weeks we're talking to five or six other shows. We're we're gonna go big with this. So this is this is our year. New sites coming and apps coming. Like all of the things that suck about Red Voice Media, are, we're trying to clean up, right? Like so, you have to remember we launched this thing like two years ago with a zero dollar budget. There's no investors. There, there's no big money. We bootstrapped this entire thing. I literally, it was after I was demonetized on, on Facebook and we lost all of our income. It was wiped out overnight. And I called my buddy Drew and I was like, hey man, I need a site because we're going to do this. And we built it cancel proof. Our own servers are on this or on that, everything in-house internal. But 
we couldn't even pay for the website for 60 days, right? So we're not ultra funded, you know, gurus over here. We're building it from scratch. And I think we're off to a great start, but this year it's going to be good, man. Like we're, we're doing a lot and we're going to keep going. And, you know, like we talk politics all the time, but like, it's not just about politics. It's about truth for me. And, and that's what we're pushing you. That's why I love your show. I appreciate coming on here. Um, and you know, you're, you're not a Republican or a Democrat. And that's, that's my favorite thing about, about your show, to be honest, because I don't want to get caught in echo chambers and, and we're not going to build one either. Yeah. And again, I think it's a, it's good to have diverse views. I'm not going to get everything right. I don't have the world experience that you do. Right. And People talk about walking in other people's shoes, but see it through somebody else's eyes. You, you've got to understand, again, I, I, as human beings, we, we naturally, through nature, share so much. But the nurture out there of the different environments and cultures that are being built, you, you almost have you know, a subspecies of sociopaths and psychopaths that do need to be dealt with. And we do need law enforcement and we do need divisions. And unfortunately, we do need a government. We do need a military. We do need intel offices. And we've got to keep them on a very tight leash, in my opinion. Ray, it's been kick-ass. I really appreciate it, brother. I'm sure we'll be talking over the weekend. Absolutely. Thanks again, man. I appreciate right. it. I appreciate you. Later on. So there you go. Um, I apologize for the out of sync, like five or six minutes of it there. I, I hate that, but I don't know if my graphics card is going, we're going to talk shop for a second because it's really frustrating when that stuff happens. But, um, sometimes the audio levels are, are tough on this. Like I'm almost turned all the way up with my gain up on this mixer and I should be not as muted as I am. And I feel like it bleeds through and I've tried other mixers and I'm running two mixers and that, ba, 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 ba. maybe I just need a full clean install. That's a pain in the harness. doesn't take that long, but it still takes too long. So I, I hope that the video card is not going. That's a, that's a price. That's a pricey meet the ball, spicy and the pricey. But I, I've been seeing that a lot more lately when I'm doing like hour long videos, you know, so I cut back, in like the last two minutes as well so my bad on that one guys but hopefully you enjoyed the interview with uh ray dietrich we're gonna have a few more stories here that i think are important virginia elementary school that runs after school satan club for kids is put in lockdown following bomb scare threat was sent to administrators calling them evil devil worship promoters now it was an email threat I don't think anybody wins here. First of all, I don't think it's a great thing that we've got the Satanic Temple After School Satan Club. I encourage everybody to watch Hail Satan. These are not good people. Again, I encourage everybody to watch Hail Satan. These are not good people. What starts as a goof gets well beyond that. Notice the spiral backwards six in the eye there. It's a big joke to them. It's really dark. Okay, so they had to lock down the school um, because of this. You know, I, I don't know what to say here other than it's a lose-lose. This shows how culturally depraved we have become. And uh, I'm not a fan of you guys, Satanic Temple. I'm not a fan of your, your funny little statue with children looking up at Baphomet. 
Okay. I, I don't care if some of you think this is a ha ha performance art when you bring the children into it. Okay. I mean, you're out in the open. That's for sure. Thought this was an interesting story. Um, one that I've both found confusing and intriguing. Japan discovers 7,000 new unknown islands after fresh survey. Now, obviously, some of these are small, but at the same time, that's a lot of islands. It's a lot in the Pacific, 7,000. Now, you ask yourself, how many are the United States utilizing not only in the Pacific, because let's not forget, you know, we won World War II. Japan wasn't allowed to have a military heavily integrated into that. Black sites need to be built, but also in the Atlantic and all over the world in the ocean. Aside from submarine sites, there could be literal island of Dr. Moreau stuff going on. We already know that Abu Ghraib, Gitmo, that's like, it may not be Island of Dr. Moreau, but it's dark, 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 and it's torture, 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 and it's mind control as well. So many things they were doing out in the open to those prisoners through sensory deprivation, through um, replaying the same thing over and over and over and over and over and over and over again were MK Ultra tactics, period. I mean, how nightmarish is it that these people at one point, to, to many, you know, goat farmers, people that weren't involved at all, at all in this conflict, or were forced to pick up arms, literally forced to pick up arms, being labeled as terrorists. And then they have to listen to this for 24 hours a day, seven days a week for weeks and months on end while they're out in the blistering sun. Okay. The blistering sun with their faces and hands covered, bent over, chained up, listening to, I love you. You love me. We're a happy family. The Barney song again and again and again on repeat. Even if you don't know the language, I mean, I, like, so that's a Rob Zombie movie. Only it's reality. It's actually darker than a Rob Zombie movie. UNLV football player Ryan Killer dies at 20 in Las Vegas. No cause of death is given. You know, I, I'm not going to insinuate anything, but I'm just going to point out that uh, unless this is like a severe drug overdose, gee, I wonder. Gee, I wonder. Fish rain from the sky in remarkable freak weather event. The most amazing thing I've ever seen. Um, whenever I see something like this, right, I, I have to play it. I have to be like, oh, my goodness, because look, I know and, and even I can be dismissive of ancient texts and plagues and especially um, biblical writings in particular. But you go back and you, you hear about the plague of frogs raining down upon people, et cetera. There are crazy freak weather events where 
tornadoes, you know, can suck up wildlife, fish, water, frogs in particular, and then rain them down on human beings. Weird and wild stuff. Huh? <laughs> so, I just, just had to go over that quick. Are there no bad guys there? Viral video of Norwegian babies being left to sleep alone outside in freezing weather stuns Americans who could never imagine suf, such a safe world. So I, I saw this since um, uh, a kid from Sydney, Australia, apparently in Norway. Let's see if they got the video right here. Yeah, here it is. It's pretty wild. Adelaide in the cold. <laughs> uh, but it helps with their breathing and makes them more independent. Because you so many people things. leave home earlier in Norway than other countries. <laughs> uh, but it helps with their breathing and makes them more independent. That's you so many people leave home earlier in Norway. So, I mean, again, just take a look. Just a ton of like babies outside, unregulated. No one's around. I, I, it's pretty unbelievable. Uh, but it helps with their. I, I almost think it might be set up. If anybody knows whether or not that's set up, it, it, can you imagine? I mean, our society—I I don't think you could imagine it at this point, where they're just where anybody would leave their baby outside, let alone, you know, what you're looking at there, which is just baby after baby after baby, with nobody watching them. Weird stuff. Weird and wild stuff. Man is cured of HIV. Dusseldorf patient becomes third in the world to be confirmed free of AIDS-causing virus after undergoing risky transplant that simultaneously beat his cancer. Oh. Oh. So I'm more concerned about the cancer stuff. HIV, a very hot topic here lately. Uh, we've had people like Jamie Deluxe, recently Ian Crossland, really even question what it means to be HIV positive. And I think that um, overall, that is something that we should question. House of Numbers is uh, certain, you know, maybe we'll play a clip of House of Numbers, okay? Because House of Numbers is really interesting. But I think that the uh, really important thing is that we're talking about stem cell transplants, okay? And curing cancer. That that's That's really, a little bit more of what I'm, you know, worried about. Okay. The HIV, great. That's what they want to hype. Cancer, a lot more prevalent. Stem cells. And that's the thing. Stem cells work on so many levels. And they know this. And they've known this for years and years and years and years. And in the beginning, when we were talking about stem cells, oftentimes it was in the aborted fetal tissue argument. And like I, I've seen South Park is now going viral on Twitter because of an old school transgender uh, garrison episode and all these episodes. Yeah, I watch South Park all the time. I, I think it's a brilliant show. I think it's something like 18 years old at this this point, at least 15. But I think more along almost 20 years old. Time flies. You blink, folks. Boom. And. They did a different episode, and I think it's been banned most places, but they still play it late late night. And it shows, it actually was the one that showed Muhammad before the big Muhammad scandal with the uh, Justice League, the super best friends. And they had Christopher Reeves 
when he was still alive, but he was paralyzed, sucking on aborted fetus babies for their stem cells so he could walk. But soon after that, you found out, wait, we can get stem cells without having to do any of that stuff. But in some dark twists, you had people like Peter Nygaard who were impregnating underage girls, allegedly, and then forcing them into abortions so that they could harvest the stem cells from them. And they felt that that was the most powerful. They would then be injected back into them. Wow. That's not dark. That's not some Frankenstein shizzle. Remember, Epstein wanted that baby-making farm of his own. Let's see. Oh, yeah, here's something we should... uh, Show Israel court ordered Ministry of Health to release the agreement with Pfizer. These two pages contain the section titled liability and indemnity provision. I wish it was a joke. It's not. Safe and effective for you and me. Safe and effective, can't you see? Safe and effective, you and me. Thank you, Israelis. I mean, the Israeli people had to take a multitude of shots just to go to the supermarket. There's their agreement. Confidential binding term sheet with the good people at Pfizer because they love you. Yep. Um, Sam Husseini, it's a real journalist. This is the, the man right now, the man asking real questions. And uh, we've played a couple of clips of his. But... Uh, Great tweet. We have met the enemy and he is us. Okay, this is from a Financial Times article right here. Uh, Just click on that right there. The UK must prepare for biosecurity threats to come. Meanwhile, they're trying to hype zoological threats. Advances in biotechnology have made it easier to create deadly pathogens. Meanwhile, high containment laboratories proliferate, bringing increased likelihood of accidents involving dangerous pathogens. We now face a range of heightened threats. It's always going to be an accident. Oopsie. Whoopsie. No, this is stealth biological warfare on a global scale to ring in techno-medical fascism and the fourth industrial revolution. That's the reality. Tough reality, huh? New York Times, three years later. Oopsie, the mask mandates did nothing. Will any lessons be learned? This is literally um, first lockdowns and mask mandates came around mid-March 2020. 35 months later, oopsie, whoopsie doodles. Oh, I'm sorry. Did we just uh, torture you and your children? Just restrict access to everything. Whoopsie. Oopsie doodle. (laughs) Oh, with that being said, guys, I think we're going to wrap her up. I want to remind everybody that I am a documentary filmmaker and all my films are free. Loose Change, Final Cut, Fabled Enemies, Invisible Empire, A New World Order Defined, and Shade the Motion Picture free right here, right now. I couldn't do it without you guys. 
Uh, I absolutely love you. Thank you for supporting me. It's not about left or right. It is always about right and wrong. And we must gather together to become the great resistance to this very real globalist predator class new world order great reset agenda. See you guys on the flip side.